I was just, I was just thinking, Bonnie, I, I was thinking about, <laughs> I was going to say this. I was saying, Bonnie ambushed me with this thing this morning. <laughs> but, but you know what? I think, I think we just got ambushed by the Holy Spirit, to be honest with you. So I think it's something he wants us all to be very much aware of and be praying for and somehow involved with, at least in prayer. But let's let our voices be heard. Anyway, we're, we're going to now address what we find here. Now, we're going to be looking at verses 44 in chapter 10 through the 18th verse of chapter 11. So, um, as you guys can imagine, we have taken some time to address what we did. That means we have less time to do this. So, let's go. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and read. If you follow along with me, I'm going to read this entire passage. And then we're going to go ahead and get into the study. Verse 44 of chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Isn't that interesting? They received the word of God. Not talking about the, the Holy Spirit here in this context. They received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. And Father, this last statement is one that we in this room are so, so grateful for, that you have granted to us repentance to life. And Father, I pray that as we go through this passage and talk about 
the things that occur here, that, that you would just speak to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit, the, the topic of this teaching, that he would be with us even now, that he would lead us into your truth, that he would be our teacher, that he would uh, uh, cause Jesus' name to be uplifted and magnified. And Lord, that he would give us understanding, opening the, the eyes of our hearts to comprehend what you are saying to us today. So Lord, have your way in us now, we pray, and be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. We obviously have been spending uh, several weeks here in the 10th chapter of Acts. A, as, you've, as I've shared uh, going through this, a pivotal, a pivotal chapter in the book of Acts as we see God bringing the Gentiles, and, and again, let's remember, a Gentile is just a person who's not a Jew. Bringing a Gentile, bringing a non, non-Jewish people into the fold, even as Jesus had talked about others uh, not of this fold, the, the Jewish fold, that he's going to be bringing in, speaking about the, the Gentile nations, speaking about us today. Um, very, very important things took place in this chapter. And, and we see here, I mean, as we begin, we're going to begin, of course, in verse 44. But we do see in that 11th chapter, that beginning in, in verse 4, as Peter explains to them, and, and I have to say this, that when I see this, it's like these, in the third verse, that those of the circumcision contending with Peter, you know, they're saying, I can't believe you did this, Peter. I mean, you went into uncircumcised men into a home and you ate with them? What is wrong with you? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing Ricky Ricardo with Lucy, you got some splaining to do, <laughs> you know? I think he said that every episode somehow. You got some splaining to do, you know? And um, it's like that. Th- this is crazy. What were you thinking? Well, he explains. And, you know, he gives a very clear uh, understanding to these apostles and brethren as they're described in verse 1 of chapter 11 to them about exactly what happened beginning with with what happened with him that we saw in chapter 10 but what happened with Cornelius that we saw in chapter 10 what happened when they came together which we saw in chapter 10 and how the Holy Spirit fell upon that household as we saw described here in chapter 10 as well in fact That's where we start here in verse 44. And so we see these words. While Peter was still speaking these words, the words that that we just saw here in verses 34 through verse 43, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Before he could even finish speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. Now, we, we see here in verses 44 and 45 two different ways that the Holy Spirit falling upon these people is described. In verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard. In verse 45, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So, Falling upon and being poured out upon. Two different ways that that same experience is described, right? And there are other ways that we see in the New Testament that this experience is actually described. We see in um, one of those terms is, is being baptized with the Holy Spirit. We find that in John 1.33, Luke 3.16, Acts 1.5, and Acts 11.16. We see, if you turn in chapter 11, 16, right here, we see that Peter said that he remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
That's one of those verses. In John 7, 37 to 39, Jesus said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John comments, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And this is more the result of being baptized with the Spirit, how, how that living water, he, the Holy Spirit, will just flow out of our lives to touch the lives of others around us. That, that's the basic uh, sense of that particular passage. In Luke 24, 49, we, we see Jesus saying that you will be endued with power from on high. Another way to describe the Holy Spirit falling upon a person, endued with power from on high. In Acts 1-4, we see the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit being baptized with the Holy Spirit, not receiving the Holy Spirit within us to dwell within us, but coming upon us being baptized with the Spirit, that's the promise of the Father. The context of that is that happening, well, Jesus is telling them this is what's going to happen a few days from now, and it happened in chapter 2, of course, on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Jesus, in that same first chapter of Acts, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So fall, fell upon you, falling upon you, or having come upon you. And in Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit fell upon them. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, another way to say that. Um, we, we already talked about falling upon, but it, we, we saw it in verse 44 here in, in Acts 10. We also see it in Acts 11, verse 15. Uh, poured out upon them, as we mentioned in verse 45. And then, and then 1047, when we, we see uh, Peter speaking, says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Again, not, not just speaking about the indwelling, but the coming upon, receive the Holy Spirit in that way. So numerous different phrases and words being used to describe this work of the Holy Spirit falling upon individuals. Now, the incredible thing about this is that, well, this was a, these were Gentile people. You know, and when this took place, we see in verse 45, well, before we go there, Note this, that the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. It begins with the truth of God's word, doesn't it? It begins with understanding what God has said. It begins by hearing the gospel and believing it. So this idea of hearing the word, it's the idea of hearing in such a way that not only does it enter the, the ear, but it goes to the heart. It goes to the heart in such a way that it is very real and you're going to respond to it because it is spiritual truth. This is the idea of this. So it begins with the word of God. But these guys were astonished. These six men and Peter were astonished, as many that came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. And how did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon them? Well, verse 47, 46, excuse me. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So this is what took place in that home. Peter didn't even finish his message. These people were there with hearts of expectation. Can I ask you guys something? Did you guys come today, come to church today with hearts of expectation and hearing and receiving the word of God? Expecting to hear truth? Expecting for God to somehow move you? Expecting for God to pour his spirit out upon you and give you understanding? That you might, you know, expecting to, to grow in the things of Christ because of the truth of God's word? that he's implanting into your hearts? Do you believe that he's implanting himself 
in your heart. I mean, the, the very word of God, the expression of who he is. I mean, these are powerful things, guys. You know, and, and you know, I, I fear, and, and I think that it happens often with us. You know, we, we, get in, we, we become, well, we can become habitual attenders to church rather than people with expectations to actually meet the true and living God. You know what I mean? Well, it, it can be that, you know, and, and so that's where the song comes from that we sang earlier. I'm coming back to the heart of worship because we've just kind of made it something that is just, you know, it's like liturgy, you know, something that we do and, you know, but it, it, it's kind of meaningless to the heart. But we want to always be in that place where true and spiritual worship is taking place and hearing the word of God is a part of that worship. You guys agree with that? Hearing and receiving the word of God is a part of what that worship is. Because this is God's truth. He's speaking into our hearts. Let's receive it with the intent to respond to it and allow him to do his work in us and changing us into the image of Christ. But also in being a witness to Jesus Christ and a servant of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he makes us witnesses. You shall be witnesses unto me. Acts 1.8, remember? Unto Judea, unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So this is what the Holy Spirit is intended for us uh, that his purpose in, in, in the Lord giving him to us. This word astonished, I think we have a good idea what that means, but, but in, in looking up just in the Strong's Concordance, you know, uh, the, the Greek word here can be translated as amazed and as most often ast uh, re re uh, given as amazed in the New Testament. But also, in one other place, it is beside ourselves. We are beside ourselves. Or in speaking of someone else, somebody has lost his senses. That's this word. And you can imagine what this must have looked like when these guys, these six men who came along with Peter were just beside themselves that this took place. And they witnessed what happened in the very beginning. They knew that God had poured his Holy Spirit upon them, which is a signal of God's acceptance of them. But more than that, I mean, it is that, and that's very, very important here. I mean, in the context of the 10th chapter, that's what this chapter is all about, God accepting Gentiles. But it also is, and we can't, we can't ignore this reality, it is God pouring his blessing upon them. God giving them his Holy Spirit, a blessing that is incredible. But these guys were astonished. I mean, imagine what this looked like. I mean, these guys must have looked at each other. And said, are, are, you, are you seeing, are you hearing what, I, what, what I'm seeing and hearing here? Yeah, I mean, th th this is crazy. Uh, are, are, are you kidding me? You know, and I, I just can't believe this. Look what God is doing. I mean, this, this makes me go back to something I heard for the first time in 1988. And I know it was 1988 because this is for you Dodger fans, by the way. <laughs> what happened in 1988? We, the Dodgers won the World Series, right? The Kirk Gibson home run, right? Okay. Do you remember Jack Buck's call of this home run? Kirk Gibson came up, pinch hit. He hit that home run to win the game for the Dodgers. And Jack Buck said, I can't believe what I just saw. I think it's something like that. I can't believe what I'm witnessing here. Now, obviously, this is much, much more important than a home run in a ball game. 
Uh, culturally, that gets, that gets pretty important, though. <laughs> We're hoping the Dodgers do it again. Yeah. Kirk Gibson's not around, but they got other guys. Anyway, the point being, it's that kind of astonishment. Beyond belief. Beyond belief. And again, they had heard them, they were hearing them, speaking in tongues and magnifying God. Back in Acts chapter 2, we see the very same thing taking place. They were speaking in other tongues, and, pe and people who were gathered for the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem were hearing these 120 who were in that upper room and the Holy Spirit poured upon them. They were hearing them speaking in their own dialect and in their own languages. Basically, people from the Galilee, which is, you know, in Jerusalem, the main city, Galilee, out there in the sticks, right? That kind of a thing. How do these people know these languages? They're just country boys and girls, you know? I mean, that, that kind of thing. So... Just uh, amazing what we see. So they received this gift of the Spirit, which again, as I mentioned, was also a sign to these Jewish men who had been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And as Gentiles are welcomed in, we see this here, the, 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 the Gentiles welcomed into the fold without any view at this point of, what's, uh, of all the complications that's going to arise later because of it. And those things are going to be dealt with in Acts chapter 15. You know, the, the, the Jewish believers, the, the apostles, the leaders of the church, by that time, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, who was not an apostle, becomes uh, known as the head of the church at that point. But, you know, they gather together to say, okay, what are we going to do about these Gentiles who are receiving the word of God? And, and they are acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah, that he's Savior. What do we do about them? I mean, some people are saying we need to force them to become Jews and follow the law, every, every part of it. You know, others... You know, no, I mean, what, what, they had to come to a decision. That's what that chapter is all about. And that's all I'm going to say right now about that. But it becomes an issue. Now, God accepting them. You know, later on in that chapter, in Acts chapter 15, I am going to say more about it, come, come to think of it. <laughs> I've got this verse right here. I have to read it. Anyway, um, you know, Peter rises up in the middle of this discussion. Peter in verses 7 to 9 in Acts 15. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So in a, a visible sign of God's approval by blessing them with his Holy Spirit. That's what God did. There was another visible sign of God's approval that we read of in the scriptures having to do with the Mosaic sacrificial system. In Leviticus chapter 9, in verses 22 to 24, the context being that, you know, Moses had received, you know, the vision from God, the, the, all, all the, basically the blueprints of the tabernacle. How it's to be made, all the, you know, all, all the measurements exactly the way it's supposed to be, the, 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 the implements that, that, and articles that are going to be used in the, the sacrifices and so forth, the way it's supposed to be done, you know, the, the, the way that the, the priests are supposed to be dressed, and all that, all, the, all, those, all those details. Finally, when we get to Leviticus chapter 9, they are ready for the first sacrifice according to all those instructions from the law, right? Now here we are, verse 22 in Leviticus 9. 
Then Aaron, they, they made the sacrifice. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. It, it was believed that in the tabernacle of meeting, that's where they would go in to meet God. They came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. God accepting the sacrifice that had been given. That's what that was. That's what that was. The people understood that God had accepted that sacrifice when he sent this fire to consume it right off of the altar. You know, there's another incident that we see in, in, in 1 Kings with, with Elijah and, and the battle between the gods, you know, the, the, the prophets of Baal and everything in, in um, 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, very, very similar. God sends fire to, to accept his sacrifice and so forth. But here... They, they, they shouted and they fell on their faces. One of those holy moments. That God is here, what are we going to do? They were on their faces before him. Then uh, Nadab and Abihu, the, the sons of Aaron, got in their mind that we're going to offer him, you know, is, is, is something else that God did not instruct. And so they became, they were toast. Let's just say they, they were toast. As God pours out his approval, as he pours out his spirit, signifying approval, this obviously means that what Peter had said earlier, we talked about this last week, going back to verse 34 and 35 of chapter 10, Peter opened his mouth and said, this is how he begins the statement to uh, the, the teaching to Cornelius and his, and his friends and family and his household, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And then it was proved to be the case as God poured out his spirit upon them, the hearers, just as he did with Peter and the rest of the apostles, all of the people, all, all of the disciples there in that upper room on um, the day of Pentecost in chapter 2. Well, Peter's response to this, we see at the end of verse 46, and Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. So Peter's response, let's baptize these people. Now, here we see, I mean, with the um, 120 in that upper room, these were people of faith. They had received instruction. Wait, because there's going to someday soon, in a very soon, uh, in the very near future, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. But just wait. They had received instruction. They had already had con confessed the Lord. Um, Many had been baptized in John's baptism, of course. Um, but we, we see here that the fact that they believed, they received instruction, then the Spirit was poured out. Here, with these Gentile people, it's like they're, they're, it would appear that faith came at the same time that the outpouring of God's Spirit came. In this case. And basically what we learn from that is we can't put God into some kind of a box and say that there's a, there's a pattern to these things. He does things differently in our lives. The principles are all the same, but the thing to understand through this is the reality that being saved, being made right with God, confessing our sin and confessing that we need Christ and his work on the cross to save us from our sin, 
That is a different experience with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming within us at that time, taking residence within us through, in our faith. That that is a separate and distinct experience to being baptized with the Spirit. That's what we see here. Now, those two separate experiences can take place simultaneously, but it doesn't mean that it's the same experience. Just two happening at the same time. That's what we see through these passages. And Peter, in his language, can we forbid water that these should not be baptized? It's reminiscent of the language that the Ethiopian eunuch used in Acts chapter 8. If you recall in verse 35 to 37, we'll put it up on the screen, uh, we see that uh, Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture out of Isaiah that as the, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Peter, excuse me, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is a part of what we, what we say when we do baptism. This, uh, last week we had our, our baptism, which was a, a, a real joy. But one of the things I'll do is those who are being baptized, I'll just ask a few questions. One of them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And, and others, other questions relating to who he is and what he has done. And as those statements are made, those statements of faith are made, I'll say, well, based on, on, on these statements of faith that you've made, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the dunking takes place. And um, I, think, I, I think I needed to hold down one of the ladies a little bit longer <laughs> than the other. I, I'm not remembering which one it was. There were two of them. I cannot. I guess the Lord just led me to do that for some reason. <laughs> he knows. After this, after the baptism, then they asked Peter to hang out with them a few days. Imagine this, guys. Okay. You're this group of people who are God-fearers. The apostle Peter, the, 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 the leader of the apostles, the leader of the church at this time has come to be used by God to give the gospel. You respond. You've received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You were just now speaking in tongues, having this experience, magnifying God through what you spoke in, in tongues. And, and, and then you're baptized in water, you know, signifying your faith, uh, pronouncing to the world that you're a follower of, of Jesus Christ, that you believe in him. He's washed you clean from the inside. This is just a signal of that and all. But then Peter's there, and hang out with us, Peter. Okay, I'll stay with you a few days. Imagine the conversations. Peter, having walked with Jesus for over three years. Peter, with all those things that, that we see in the Gospels. You know, and, and, and people hearing these things, and, 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 and just the idea of what, what they must have been asking him. You know, this, this, this idea, I mean, he, he was a part of Jesus' inner circle. He, he knew Jesus well. You know, I mean, asking a question, what, what, what was Jesus' favorite food? What did he like to eat? You know, um, what kind of jokes did he tell? Did he tell dad jokes? <laughs> um, I, uh, what was it like being with him? Peter, what was it like to actually walk on? You really, you, really, did you really do, you know, I mean, all this stuff, you know, and, and just several days where he was able to basically disciple them as he talked to them about Jesus. You know, it, it just incredible, incredible time must have taken place. Well, now 11, chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them 
in order from the beginning, saying, we don't need to reread this. We've, we've been going over this for the past several weeks. But note how accurate what Peter says is here as you compare it with what we read already in Acts chapter 10, right? But the point is that these, the, that these men, apostles and brethren, they'd heard what, it took what had taken place in Caesarea. And those of the circumcision, here, this means, and that, that, that is a description of men among who, those who are brethren, and perhaps a few of the apostles as well, who are believing that, you know, men, Gentile men who come to faith need to be circumcised. And everything else that goes with Judaism, all the ceremonies, everything, in order to really be made right with God. And so he said, Peter, come on, you actually went in and you ate with, the, with, with these Gentiles? You know, again, are you kidding me? Well, the belief was that eating a meal together was becoming one with the person that you're eating with. Because in those days, you know, people would... Would, would recline at the table, you know, they'd have their, their, their leaning on their, their left hand and using their right hand to eat, and there'd be a loaf of bread out there, and each one of them would take from the loaf and tear a little piece of it off, and there's some sauces on the table, they'd dip it in the sauce, and then they would eat it, you know, and there were no rules against double dipping. We're weird. We're just weird that way. Some of you are saying, that's not weird, Pastor. <laughs> no, it's weird. God gave us an immune system, right? We've got to count on that. We've got we to we depend on that. So eat dirt. <laughs> Take on the germs. Allow your system to work. So then, when a virus comes, it'll kick it out. Right? Okay, that's the way God made our body. Anyway. Um, yeah, but, you know, and that's what they're doing. So, so they, they, they believe that as, as you're at the table communing with somebody over, over food, we're eating the same bread, we're tearing off the same loaf, dipping it into the same sauce, putting it in our mouth, and as our bodies assimilate those same foods, we become like each other, we become one. Now, doing that with a Gentile, especially in a Gentile home, which is unclean, the food that they bring is unclean, and you're becoming one in that way with those Gentiles? Ah! You know, I mean, th that's what it was like. So Peter had some explaining to do. And he did. He explained it very, very well. But notice in verse 4, Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying... Luke writes, he explained to them in order. Luke likes order. He's a doctor. Everything has to be precise. Very precise. You know, that, that's a marvel of what God did in, in, in bringing people like this to, 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 to give us the word of God and so forth. But he liked order. In fact, it's mindful of Luke 1.3 in which he wrote, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. You'll recall that in your readings of the, of the book of Luke. When we, did, when we uh, studied the book of Luke, we, that, that's what we looked at. And it's, it's an orderly account. And so more than any other gospel, Luke is uh, um, basically an orderly account and so we can see it as chronological. More so, maybe not perfectly, but as, as close as it can be, more so than the other Gospels. Peter, later on in this chapter, verse 15, well, verse 14 is another verse um, in which we, we see something added that was not in chapter 10, and this is what the angel told uh, Cornelius, verse 14, who will tell you words 
speaking of Peter, by which you and all your household will be saved. But then we look at verse 15. Um, he speaks of the Spirit falling upon them, just like us at the beginning. And then verse 16, then I remembered the word of the Lord. Let's pause there for a moment. I remembered the word of the Lord. We see that Peter is taking very seriously the things that Jesus said. Remembering the word of the Lord. As we are in situations in our lives and we have decisions to make, we have responses that must be given to situations, are we remembering the word of the Lord? This is the grid that Peter used in order to make his decision. I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, this is what this is. We were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now these Gentiles are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. And so, Peter says in verse 17, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Guys, look at that statement, that question that he asked. Who was I that I could withstand God? Who was anyone that they can withstand God? Who is anyone who will read something that God says and say, yeah, but no, that doesn't apply anymore. Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? <laughs> I mean, who do you think you are, right? Who was I? We need to have that attitude. Who am I to argue with God? Who am I to argue with God? The answer is nobody we can't. We can't. Well, I guess we can if we want to, but it's, it's going to get us nowhere. It's going to get us into a lot of trouble, especially when we look at spiritual truth. This is truth. How can I argue with God? And, and that question, when asked, it, it just struck the hearts of his hearers. And they agreed with him. They go, you're right, Peter. We can't argue with God. And, and, and if what you are saying is true, you were there. You've got six witnesses here who are sh standing here shaking their head. Yep, that happened. Yeah, we couldn't believe it either. Yep, that, you know, I mean, that whole thing. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So testimony to God's truth as he poured out his spirit upon the Gentiles. Accepting them. Who am I to argue with God? Let's welcome them in. So that's what they did. And so... We see there in verse 18, they heard these things. They became silent. Can't argue with that. And they glorified God. Well, praise be to God in his wisdom, in his goodness, in his love, in his grace and mercy. He has poured out this gift of his spirit upon the Gentiles He's accepting them even as he's accepted us, accepting them on the same terms that he's accepting us, giving them the same gift that he has given to us. It's the same. We quoted from Ephesians chapter 2 that Paul wrote several times uh, in, in, this, in the 10th chapter as we've been going, and you know, God making the two one, Jew and Gentile, making them one new man, one new entity, and we call it the church. Jew and Gentile alike. And so, this pouring out of the Spirit, God showing his acceptance. Now, many will call, in, in uh, Pentecostal circles, many will call the reception of the Spirit in this way, falling upon you, of the, the, the baptism with the Spirit, a second blessing. And R.A. Torrey, who wrote a book called The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit, um, in that book he says, second blessing, yes, and the third and the fourth and hundreds more. 
as we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit as we ask Him to fill us on a daily basis. I want to read something to you from Pastor Chuck Smith from his book, Living Water, which is a book about the Holy Spirit. He said, I suggest that you be open to whatever and however God wants to work in your life. Don't look for a particular sensation or reaction or response. Allow God to work however he desires in the imparting of this glorious gift to you. It may be that the baptism will come through the laying on of hands by a pastor or one of the laymen in your church, as it did with the Apostle Paul. Or it may be that no one will lay their hands on you, as was the case in Acts 2, where the disciples were all sitting and waiting. I've heard of people who are baptized while standing or lying on the floor or in bed. It doesn't matter. God isn't bound to one particular way of doing things. So be open. Don't try to pattern God. Just receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and experience His dynamic power in your life to be what God wants you to be. Tap into His power and be a true witness of Jesus Christ in the world. How desperately we need this power today. We need it for survival. We are living in the perilous days foretold by the scriptures when the love of many would wax cold. We need so urgently to wait upon God until we overflow with his Holy Spirit. Only then will the church again become a powerful witness to a world that so desperately needs the Savior. One of the things that we must acknowledge is that the Holy Spirit is not simply a source of power. He's a person. But a person who enables us. The idea of power. It's an, it's an enabling or an empowering or an enabling to do things that we wouldn't be able to do without him. That's what that means. And A.W. Tozer wrote this. Unbelief says, some other time, but not now. Some other place, but not here. And some other people, but not us. Faith says, Anything he did anywhere else, he will do here. Anything he did in any other time, he's willing to do now. Anything he ever did for other people, he's willing to do for us. With our feet on the ground and our head cool, but with our heart ablaze with the love of God, we walk out in this fullness of the Spirit if we will yield and obey. God wants to work you. In another book that he wrote called The Counselor, he wrote, The Counselor has come, and he doesn't care about the limits of locality, geography, time, or nationality. The body of Christ is bigger than all of these. The question is, will you open your heart? Will you open your heart today? Will you open your heart today? Many believers have not received the baptism with the Spirit for many different reasons. Um, perhaps a lack of understanding or fear or sin in their own lives. Um, lack of faith, not believing that God works this way today. Whatever it is. But I would encourage you to be open. And, you know, I want to pray right now for anyone in this room. If you've never received the baptism with the Spirit of God, and you want to be, you want this differing relationship with the Holy Spirit of God as he comes upon you. You know, there are many different ways that people responded in the book of Acts. You know, several times they speak in tongues, several times they don't. It, 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 it's, you know, some, you know, Pentecostals will, will say that if you are, you don't speak with tongues and you don't even have the Holy Spirit. It's not true. It's not biblical. But do you want the ability to be the person of God that he wants you to be in the enabling power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you for the purpose of testimony or witness and service to God and his church. 
If you want that, I would encourage you. Just If you'd like me to pray for you to receive this baptism with the Holy Spirit, this filling of the Spirit, just raise your hand if you'd like for God to enable you in that way. Anyone? God bless you. I see a hand over here. Let's just go ahead and lower our heads right now and, and close our eyes. Raise your hands again. Any who want this. Yeah, I, 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 I'm assuming that some who are not raising their hand have already been baptized with the Spirit. Praise the Lord. But if you don't have your hand raised, I would just simply repeat the question and, and, and the exhortation. You know, will you just simply open your heart to the things of God? Open your heart to what God has for you. You know, perhaps this is something that the distractions of this world have mo- has moved you away from. And, and maybe some years ago you were baptized with the Spirit, but you haven't given it any thought recently. You haven't, you're not praying every morning for the filling of God's Spirit to enable you to be the witness to other people that God wants you to be. Maybe that's where you're at. I would want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. And keep your hands raised. And as your hands are raised, I want to pray for you. Father, you see these hands. I pray, God, that you would have your way in these hearts. Lord, and however we may term it, baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit falling upon us, Lord, the, the filling with the Spirit, the, the being empowered, the, 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 the promise of the Father, wh- however we may term it, Lord, we just want you in our lives by your Spirit and upon our lives with the enablement and the power to be the people that you've called us to be. To be the witness and to serve you and and others in the way that you've called us to. And so, God, I pray that each one with their hand raised right now, Lord, would receive that, that you would pour out, Lord Jesus, you you, you are known in, in the Gospels to be the one who does the baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, pour him out upon us upon this place and upon every heart. And those without hands raised, Lord, without not, not, not even having the desire or ha- having already been baptized, Lord, come upon them anyway, Lord. Uh, we look at this story in, in, in Acts 10 and, and, and these people hearing the word, you just poured him out upon them. Do it now, God, we pray. And might we leave this place recharged with this reality of your enablement in our lives. I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, and Lord, that you, by your Spirit, will enable us, again, Lord, to be the men and women, the people that you've called us to be, the witness and testimony that you've called us to be that Jesus' name will be lifted up and glorified. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.